You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 323. And welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture, hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. I've been having a great time interacting with folks over in the 30-Day Music Challenge group. In fact, one of my listeners, Kelly, is a participant in the challenge and mentioned this week's song in the group, so I checked out New Today by Micah Tyler and added it to the list. The sentiment found in the chorus is found directly in the Book of Lamentations. But before we head over there, let's listen. That your mercies are new today. Your mercies are new. Rest on your shoulders, there is grace to start over. Your mercies are today. By the way, if you are interested in the challenge, the 30 Day Music Challenge, which is just to listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days, just go to michellekneesat.com forward slash 30 day challenge and join in. When you do, you will get an email once a day. It's super short, I promise, with a link to a one minute long video with a key thought for the day and then links to podcast episodes if you want to explore the scripture focus area inspired by the Dave's featured song. It's free. It's also a great challenge to share with friends, especially those who could benefit from godly lyrics in their listening habits. So let's get back to the episode. As I mentioned, the chorus reminded me, the chorus of this song by Micah Tyler New Today, it reminded me of a verse in Lamentations. Lamentations chapter 3 verses 22 and through 23 says this, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So when Micah Tyler sings of God's mercies being new today, that's where he gets that. So the very first thing I did was to use the bite of reading in context. And Lamentations is only five chapters. So I grabbed my Bible and I read all five. Now, uh, BITE, by the way, acronym, it's an acronym for Bible Interaction Tool Exercises. And reading larger chunks of scripture is a BITE and is the partner to reading in context. And so when the book of the Bible is just a few chapters, I try to make it my habit to go ahead and read the whole thing at least once. Then if I want to go back and focus in on one area, I at least have a good idea of the whole. Now, the thing with the thing with Lamentations is that when you do that, when you read it all the way through, it kind of feels like reading five psalms in a row. The chapters are connected in that they are all laments, but they don't really seem to tell a story. And that's our first clue that we might want to consider the genre of the book. You see, each book of the Bible is written with a different literary style and needs to be read with that in mind for it to make sense. So how can you figure that out? How can you determine what the literary style of, let's say, the book of Lamentations is? Well, if you have a study Bible, almost all of them have information in the introduction that talks about the genre. Perhaps you've been like me and tried to read the introduction before and you didn't really know how to use the information and so then you've just skipped over it from now on. (laughs) So, But everything in the introduction will actually help you read the book, either by giving you some historical context, which is 
another bite, by the way, or helping you with things like genre or literary features. So why is this important when reading Lamentations? Because by bringing yourself up to speed on this information, you discover that Lamentations is five chapters, but they are actually five poems. It's not a historical narrative that tells a story. In fact, because Lamentations is a poetic reflection on the siege of Jerusalem and the exile, you actually might want to read the historical narrative account in 2 Kings chapters 24 to 25. And then that is taking the bite of following the cross-reference. Now, Lamentations isn't the only place for poems or songs of lament. There are several in the book of Psalms as well. But just like when you read Psalms, and they may have similar themes, each Psalm pretty much stands on its own. And so that is how I generally study them. So given all of this information, because our song comes from chapter 3, I focused my study on that one chapter. And as I considered the genre of chapter 3 even further, I discovered that it's not just a poem, but an acrostic poem. Every three verses of the chapter begins with a different Hebrew letter of the alphabet. So not only should you keep that in mind as you study it, but it makes sense if it seems a little choppy or repetitive in nature, um, if you consider that it'll, it'll help make sense as you read it. Now, my buddy, my study Bible adds this thought. The acrostic also provides a form for the literary expression of grief, allowing the writer to impose a kind of order on the chaos that such a terrible tragedy brings. I absolutely love that. So in other words, because this poem is written with a specific form and it has such a strong structure, grief doesn't have structure. It doesn't have form. And so it allows the lament to take some structure in the face of chaos. I absolutely love that. All right. So back to the bite of historical background. It is a lament over the complete destruction of everything good and holy that God had set up. The promised land, the capital, the temple, pretty much everything that represented and defined Israel as the people of God. And it is out of this historical context that we read chapter 3. It's actually a pretty long chapter. It's 66 verses uh, because, again, three verses for each of the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. So let's dive in. First letter, first three verses. Verse 1 says, I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of God's wrath. He has driven me away and made me walk in darkness instead of light. Indeed, he keeps turning his hand against me all day long. Now, the Bible says a lot about darkness and light. We know that Christ is described as the light. There are places in scripture where we are called to walk in the light of the Lord But this kind of reflects the opposite of that. You can sense the deep distress just in this first section of verses. Now, I'm going to go ahead and skip down to verse 7. But when you study it, please don't skip stuff. (laughs) We have a lot of ground to cover on this episode, 66 verses. And so, as always, I hope that this episode is a springboard for you to dive into Scripture on your own. I, I hope it does not replace your own personal study. You see, God has more to show you when you dive in for yourself. And sometimes I, I leave these gaps in here for a reason, hoping that you'll explore it on your own and knowing that God will meet you there if you do. So let's go down to verse 7. He has walled me in so I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with chains. Even when I cry out and plead for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has barred my ways with cut stones. He has made my paths crooked. 
All right. So now just remember that this is this lament or this sorrowful poem is coming out of the depths of the feelings of this afflicted uh, poet. And so let's kind of take this into consideration as we as we compare it to other places in Scripture. For example, Jeremiah chapter three, verse 21 says voices are heard high on the windswept mountains, the weeping and pleading of Israel's people, for they have chosen crooked paths and have forgotten the Lord their God. My wayward children, says the Lord, come back to me and I will heal your wayward hearts. All right. So it's interesting that the punishment in Lamentations at the hand of the Lord is crooked paths, according to the poet. But in Jeremiah chapter three, the people chose the crooked paths themselves. And I know that sometimes when I am lamenting, when I am sitting in my grief and sorrow, something seems like it is one way. Someone has done something to me, for example, when in reality, it could very well either be the direct consequences of my choices or something completely different. So when I read verses like this, the ones that say God shuts out our prayers, this is not consistent with what the rest of scripture teaches. So based on the whole of scripture and because it is an emotional outpouring of lament, I think we can rightly read it a couple of ways. Either it just seems like God shuts out our prayers, or it is a direct consequence of our complete rebellion. Consider what the Lord tells Jeremiah in chapter 7 of Jeremiah. It says, pray no more for these people, Jeremiah. Do not weep or pray for them, and don't beg me to help them, for I will not listen to you. All right, he goes on to say why, because they aren't repentant, they don't obey, they're living in rebellion, they aren't responding to the words of the Lord, they're worshiping false gods, they're offering horrible sacrifices like their own children to these false gods and more. So if God is shutting out prayers, it actually could be a consequence. But even if it is a, it is a consequence, it is never forever. And we'll read more about that further into the text. So it can either seem like God has shut out our prayers. It could be a direct consequence to our complete rebellion, or it could just be temporary, a temporary feeling or situation. So let's bop down to verse 16. Again, don't miss out on the vivid descriptions and metaphors used to describe the torment and tragedy that the poet is feeling personally and is kind of a reflection of the whole community. It's very real. Don't miss it because I, you may have felt this way before. Let's look at verse 16. He has ground my teeth with gravel and trampled me in the dust. My soul has been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. So I say, my strength has perished along with my hope from the Lord. Wow. Ground my teeth with gravel. That sounds awful. Picture that in your head, though. Picture being trampled in the dust. Eat dirt is what this afflicted man feels like God is saying to him. And many of you know what it feels like for your soul to be deprived of peace or to forget what prosperity is. There is so much emotion wrapped up in that simple phrase. There is so much reality wrapped up in that simple phrase. We may not be in captivity with everything we believe as holy completely destroyed. And stay-at-home orders aside, we may very well have a situation right now that is robbing our souls of peace. I love verse 18 says, says, so I say my strength has perished along with my hope from the Lord. Another translation says my endurance has perished. In current vernacular, it's, it's like saying that's it. I'm at the end of my rope. I can't take it anymore. I have nothing left to give. I'm hopeless. 
And how many times do we speak these types of things over ourselves and our situations? I call it rehearsing our sorrows instead of remembering all that the Lord has done. But let me say this, there is a place for putting into words the tragedy and distress we feel when we need to lament. And maybe the author of Lamentations has helped put phrases to your feelings in these moments. Compare verse 18 to verse 21. In verse 18, the poet's hope has perished along with his strength. But in verse 21, he remembers everything he knows about the Lord and therefore he has hope. (laughs) His hope is resurrected by remembering who God is. And that is the power of pressing pause on rehearsing our sorrows and changing the channel to rehearsing the goodness of God. And it is in this section of the chapter that we see a major shift. And it's also where we discover the context of our featured verse. Verse 22, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. In the span of three stanzas of our poem, we see hope is dead, hope is retained, and hope is declared. (laughs) And since what we learn about God here is so life-changing and hope-giving, then let's stop and meditate on what we learn here. And meditation is another one of my favorite bites. We're so busy rushing through things that sometimes we just don't even take the time to ponder. My friend said this to me this week, if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. That's good. Yes, if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. When you worry, you play it over and over in your head. You look at it from all angles. You have it on repeat in your thoughts. And in your conversations, you share it with friends. If your worry is rooted in anger, you shout it from the rooftops. And if it's rooted in shame, you tuck it into the recesses of your very being. What if we've harnessed or what if we could harness all of that for meditating on scripture, especially the parts of scripture that tell us about God? Play this over and over in your head. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Look at that from all angles. Even if we're in the middle of discipline or consequences, God's love never ceases. It's steadfast. It is not shaken. It doesn't ebb and flow or come in waves. It doesn't stop. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Shout that from the rooftops. Hide that in the recesses of your being. Talk about that with your friends. The Lord's mercies never come to an end. God doesn't have a limited supply of mercy that once it's gone, it's gone. You don't have to line up at the grocery store at 6 a.m. to get your two packs of mercy. You aren't robbing your neighbor of the mercy allotted to them when you are lavished with mercy. The Lord's mercies never come to an end and they are new every morning. Just like the manna in the desert, we don't have to store up the Lord's mercies. No matter how foolish we were the day before, his mercies are new today. Shout that from the rooftops. Hide that in the recesses of your being. Talk about that with your friends. Verse 25, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. Since God is good, we can wait patiently for his deliverance, even when we don't understand his purposes. Just because we know this to be true doesn't mean we don't feel all the things that we talked about at the beginning of the chapter. Just because we know that he is good and true and kind and steadfast and faithful doesn't mean we don't feel the things. 
but we don't rehearse them as much as we rehearse his goodness. Verse 31, for the Lord will not cast off forever, but though he cause grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love, for he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men. Another version says, for he does not enjoy hurting people or causing them sorrow. You know, even though God responds with justice and judgment, his mercy is never far behind. One more stanza, verse 55. I called on your name, O Lord, from the depths of the pit. You heard my plea. Do not close your ear to my cry for help. You came near when I called on you. You said, do not fear. So here we're back to crying out to the Lord. Only this time, the poet recognizes that God indeed does hear our cries. He didn't shut out his prayer. In fact, God came near and offered comfort. He said, do not fear. And there is so much more in this chapter. In my studies this week, I read that when we, what we see in the poems of Lamentations is that God's wrath is accepted, but not without great emotional resistance. (laughs) I love that. So when you read on, you'll see questions and repentance and a cry for help, all of these elements that should actually be present in our own laments to the Father. So what's next? Well, read Lamentations for yourself. Perhaps you will want to study a different one of the poems of lament in this book than the chapter we focused on in this episode. And that's great. Read the introduction to the book in a study Bible or online introduction to go ahead and orient yourself to the historical context of the poems and to learn more about the genre and literary style of the book. Now, don't forget each chapter is a standalone poem. So uh, remember that as you're reading, try not you do it's I don't sit down and read Psalms, the whole book of Psalms at at one sitting. So you wouldn't take that same approach. Um, You would take the same approach with Lamentations as you would Psalms. And then finally, go ahead and state your sorrows. Be as dramatic as you feel. But in the end, lift your face to your father and rehearse his goodness. Don't forget, if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. So choose to meditate on him. Now, while you're in God's Word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneezat.com. Hop on Twitter at michellekneezat or Instagram at michellekneezat. My public Facebook page is Michelle L. Nizat, and we can talk about what you're learning. And if you haven't joined the 30-Day Music Challenge yet, I highly recommend it. Again, the challenge is to listen exclusively to Christian music for 30 days. You're never too late to jump in. Just submit your name and email address at michellekneezat.com forward slash 30-Day Challenge, and you're in. And before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I do want to thank any new subscribers who have subscribed recently, like David from South Korea, Phyllis from Texas, Judith from Pennsylvania, Ruth from Florida, Cynthia from Zimbabwe, Paula from Texas, Samantha from California, Nancy from North Carolina, and Deborah from Illinois. Welcome. Now, new subscribers to my website benefit from a one-page resource of my top five bites I that I use on the podcast. It's a really great place to start. And subscribers will also benefit from an email that I send once a week. And in that email, you get a weekly memory verse resource to display on your smartphone, tablet, desktop. You can print it out. But also you get kind of that show notes, that email recap of the week's episode and instant access to any of the extra resources I create for my episodes from time to time. All of that is just my way of saying thank you for listening. So head over to michellekneezat.com to subscribe today. Now, have you had a chance to write a review in iTunes for the podcast yet? 
This really encourages me. It really does. But it also helps me stay visible to new listeners. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Of course, you can listen to the podcast directly on my website at michellekneezat.com through iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. You can follow on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio or your podcast listening app of choice. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be using Better Word by Elevation Worship to lead us to scripture. This song choice is a result of hearing a song that includes lyrics that I've already been studying in my personal time. So it's kind of backwards. <laughs> so if you liked this episode, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneezat.com forward slash three, two, three. And then while you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.